When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Dent, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. You know, no guests this week. It's a holiday week, probably a shorter show than usual. Coming off another Jets loss, another loss of division, which everyone just can't take anymore just because we need to start winning some games in division. But Stephen, how you doing? Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Yes, thank you. Happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone, uh, everyone out there, uh, people that you know that tune in and uh, and download the podcast. But I'm doing okay. You know, we're gearing up for Christmas with the kids. It's uh, it's crazy. We're on the home stretch. Uh, everybody's off now. Uh, Christmas Eve tomorrow, so it's good. Um, wish I was in a little bit of a better mood after after Sunday. I've calmed down a bit. I think uh, I was a little irrationally mad uh, probably after that one, just because I felt like they they really should have won and just kind of, you know, your want to get a divisional win finally, especially one on the road where you're up 10 points in the first half. Um, but I've since calmed down, you know, they're three and 11. They're not a good team. It's okay. We'll survive. Um, other than that, man, doing pretty well. How are you? Same here. I mean, like, it's just, it's just frustrating because, you know, they've had so many games where they got blown out and you're like, the game was over really when before the fourth quarter even started, but this game, they had a chance. And the defense is just, it's the worst defense in football. There's really no way to sugarcoat it. And it's frustrating just because we thought that this defensive line could be really good. It's not. And I've accepted that. And it's, it's just a frustrating thing. I mean, obviously, Eccles had a great, great game. He was probably like the lone bright spot on the defense, one rookie of the week, which was pretty cool. But it's just frustrating because, like, you know, Zach was like, eh, he wasn't bad per se. He wasn't really good either. He kind of just managed the game, but he made a couple of cool plays. Obviously there was that one play where he got out of the sack and then threw that ball to Griffin. There was that one play where they, you know, threw it to Crowder and then threw it, it was like a drop pass back to Barrios, which was fun. So we saw him before emptying the bag a little bit. Um, I mean, it's just, what can you really say at this point? It, they are who they are. You know, they're playing the worst team and one of the worst teams in football this week, which could be a real doozy because they're just as bad as the Jets, if not worse. But obviously the big story surrounding the Jets is that they have 21 players on the reserve COVID list and who knows who's going to be activated, who knows who's going to be playing. I mean, Ulbrich literally said today when he met the media, he's like, I have no idea who's going to be playing safety this weekend just because the guys can come back and they've been signing guys. I don't even know who's playing safety anymore. It's just, it's just crazy. And it's like the NFL really doesn't respect the fact of the Jets and Jaguars because if the Jets were a team that was in the hunt, they probably would move this game, but they refused to do that. I mean, it could change as we get closer in the weekend, but obviously no style over here. Interim Ron Middleton, but should be an interesting Sunday if, you know, this is the team that they're rolling out there and this is the coach that they have. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's interesting to see. And I think you hit the nail on the head, too, with, uh, it, it, you know, if either of these teams were in the playoff hunt, we'd probably be watching this game during next week. Uh, and, I mean, who wouldn't who would turn down, you know, primetime Jets Jaguars? Uh, certainly not me. Um, but, you know, you know, from the defense, from a defensive standpoint, you know, they're already banged up. This team in general is so banged up. But now when you couple that with uh, obviously our expectations for this game, I think nobody really has any. Right. And we're all kind of floating around the, you know, do we root for a win? Do we root for a loss to get better draft position? You know, all that. I think one thing all Jets fans could agree on is that we want to see Zach Wilson play well. But when you think about having Connor McDermott starting, uh, I think LDT is on the COVID list now. So you're going to have a backup guard in there uh, or you're going to have um, um, GVR back in there. Uh, um, AVT is on the COVID list as well. So you're going to have a probably Dan Feeney starting. That starts to get you concerned. Not that the Jaguars are world beaters, but this offensive line isn't great to begin with. So when three fifths of them are hurt or have COVID, that's a tough spot to be in. You couple that with, um, you know, the receivers are already, you know, injury riddled. And then Jameson Crowder pops up on the injury report. So you don't know who's going to start from that standpoint. So regardless of where you want these jets to fall, if you want them to win, to you know, build up confidence or, or whatever, if you want them to gain draft position, you still want to see Zach play well. And it seems like the deck is really stacked against him this week, regardless of when they play. So that's kind of the one, I think, overarching bad thing there is, uh, uh, that Zach's literally gotten not a lot of help these last few games, and it's going to be even less than that come Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, whenever they play. Yeah, I mean, literally, who is he throwing to? It's going to be Keelan Cole. Uh, honestly, Barrios is probably getting so much time, but, you know, kudos to Barrios. He's making the most of his opportunities, and he's a guy that I really think that they have to resign. Like, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't. I'm happy for him that he got a, a first-team alternate for the Pro Bowl. I'm sure some guy's going to bail out. And he'll probably get his opportunity, but he's been great. And I'm, you know, I'm happy for him. And I think he deserves more playing time and he could be the slot receiver next year, especially if Crowder goes because, you know, Elijah could play on the outside or in the slot, but he's probably better suited on the outside. So they can have a guy like Barrios who's reliable on third down catches the ball and have Elijah do other things on the outside. But yeah, it's just, it's crazy. He's probably not going to have two starting offensive linemen. I mean, who knows maybe if the game is moved that some of these guys could play, I'm terrified. Like he could get hurt again. I I'm not, obviously it doesn't mean he will, but it's just like the pass protection just collapsed in the second half. He got sacked, I think six times. And what makes you think it's going to any better? I mean, I know the Jaguars don't have a good defense. I know, but Josh Allen is pretty good. I mean, he sacked the other Josh Allen like three times when they played Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo has a way better line than we do. So it's like, it's kind of scary for Zach. And how many holes are Michael is Michael Carter going to have? Like, he's not going to have any holes whatsoever. Mm. It's just, it's hard, but yeah. you know, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you brought up a good point about the receiving core in Barrios. So yes, I agree with you hundred percent. I think they should resign Barrios. I think not only is he a sure thing as a returner, um, you know, he doesn't drop uh, punts, right. He doesn't, doesn't fumble, always gets positive yards, which is a good thing, but he's a, he's a legitimate threat for a kick and punt return, which is great. And then yes, he has shown up um, as a receiver and he's always out there making plays. And honestly, he's been, probably the best one over the course of the last few weeks with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis out, which I think if you kind of flip it, that's really disappointing to be honest with you. I, I know I was very high on Keelan Cole. Um, and I was also kind of pounding the table to say, bring both he and Jameson Crowder back next year, which I don't think would be the worst thing because I do think they're good in spots as depth pieces when you still have your full plethora of, of receivers there. I can't lie though, that Jameson Crowder and Keelan Cole have been just complete disappointments since being the one and two guys. Keelan Cole has been 
non-existent to be honest with you and that you know the the catch that he should have made on third and nine that's that's something you pay him to make that's something I was um you know kind of talking him up for making early in the season uh and I just don't know what's happened since coming back off the COVID list maybe he's off I don't know maybe that's the reason it's just noticeable and he should be able to make those plays so feeling as good as we did about this receiving core coming into this season because of the depth they had, because we know what it could look like from 2019 and 2020, especially when people go down, it's been a pretty big disappointment in these last few weeks, because I feel like they haven't helped Zach Wilson out at all. Even, you know, Jameson Crowder played okay. He even had a, uh, you know, a costly drop in there. Keelan Cole, the drop I just spoke about. So it's been a disappointment. So to further your point about Berrios, I think he's been the best one since, since, you know, the other guys have gone down. I would absolutely sign him, but uh, you know, Keelan Cole, Jameson Crowder have been, and, and let's not even go into Mims, but just complete disappointments these last two weeks. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Mims just because I someone, and I wrote about this in my burning questions this week, I was just like, I was banging on the table for him. I was really happy when they picked him. I thought it was great value when they traded back in 2020. And I was really hoping that the flashes that we saw, mainly with Flacco last year, would really translate to another strong-arm quarterback like Wilson. And, you know, the coaching staff was right. We all were like, why are they not playing this guy? Why is he buried? And they saw everything that we're seeing now that he's getting extended looks. It's like whether he drops the ball or he has a stupid penalty because he's just, he just doesn't know how to play football. And I, I think I was saying this a couple of weeks back on the show. I'm like, I think he just doesn't understand the mental aspect of football because mm-hmm. he has the physical tools. He's fast. He is good. At, he has like the physical body. He's like six, four and you know, he can jump. It's just, he doesn't know how to be a polished receiver. Like think about a guy like Antonio Brown. I know people don't like him as a person just because he's been like really a headache off the field, but he's not this physically imposing player. He's just so technically sound. Like his route running is incredible. Probably some of the best route running I've ever seen from an NFL receiver in my lifetime. And he just always gets separation. He catches the ball and he makes the most despite being like a 5'10 receiver. So it's like mm. Mims has all the gifts to be, you know, a big body receiver. He's basically Stephen Hill 2.0, which is what I feared would happen. And it happens. And, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm fine with trading him, cutting him, whatever they need to do. And, it, it makes obviously the 2020 classic worse and it's already really bad other than really Bryce Hall. And I guess you could say Braden man, because he plays, but he's actually been better lately. I know we give, we give him a hard time, but he actually was punting a little bit better, but he should be pretty good. They use the draft pick on him. He should be a competent NFL punter. if not high, high end because most punters are undrafted free agents and the good ones for sure. Cause Johnny Hecker, yeah. I don't think was drafted. He's incredible, but it's just it's just frustrating and you just want these guys to catch the ball and because they weren't getting open you could see that these are why these guys are so far down the death chart because they didn't have the ability to get open and elijah does get open Corey actually was pretty good at getting open he just would drop the ball at times but he do he would do the right things but yeah it's just it's just been a lot and it's just like how much more have you taken thankfully only three more games i mean this one they actually have a chance in tampa and buffalo i mean buffalo could be playing for something and we, and we have the chance to really just end their season. Like nothing would make me happier because of 2015. I know I keep yeah. talking about this, but yeah, it's just, you just want to see some signs and flashes from Zach at this point. Like if they lose the game, whatever, draft position better. Cause everyone's like, you, like you said, should we root for the win or root for the tech? It's like, I'm stuck in the middle, but at this point with everyone out, it's like, just lose the game. Like we want this, we want a good pass rusher. We want a guy like uh, Thibodeau or Hutchinson we know we see what happens, you know, when you have Quentin Williams instead of Nick Post. Nick Post is literally a top three edge in the NFL. So it's just yeah. maybe that's the route we have to go. I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm not, I'm not a draft guy. Um, you know, so I trust the guys that really do know what they're talking about. I know some people on the TOJ Slack have really been saying this. I know Connor Rogers has been saying it too, how the difference, but you know, there's a pretty wide gap between uh, Hutchinson and Thibodeau and whoever the next best edge is. The guy so, from Purdue. I forgot his yeah, name. George Karloftis, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, you, at the end of the day, when I'm watching this game, I just want to see Zach play well. I think the worst possible scenario is that the Jets win a 13 to six ugly game where Zach throws for 150 yards and two picks. And we get no further answers on Zach. He doesn't look, you know, he doesn't look the part and the Jets win on a, you know, in the back of a, you know, uh, I don't know, like a weird defensive touchdown or something like that. Um, but if Zach plays well and the offense looks competent and Zach looks the part and they win either, you know, uh, going away or they win a close one, or even if they lose a close one, I'm fine with that. Um, ultimately, when it's all said and done, I don't want to look back on this and say, like you just said, that cost us Nick Bosa. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, I think it's more importantly about Zach and how he looks. So I think that's what I'll be rooting for. I can be objective, happy either way, as long as we don't get a poor Zach performance and a win. I think that's probably the worst case scenarios if that happens. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. The funniest thing would be, though, and I was thinking about this before when we were talking about what we want to talk about for the show, it was like, what if, like, Salah doesn't coach and this guy Middleton just has this amazing game plan? I know when he was speaking to the media yesterday, he was like, I've never been a head coach before, but he's like, I'm just here to steer the ship. And I'm like, imagine, like, we're just like, is this a Ewing theory with Salah? Like, maybe Rod Middleton should be the coach. Totally kidding. Let's not, <laughs> let's not like, you know, aggregate this and talk about it. I'm not saying that. I'm just like, it would be funny if like they have this amazing game plan and it's a different guy running the ship, but like, who knows? Like, I feel like we always say with just when the Jets are like, literally like you're giving up on them, then they suck you back in because they do something like I could easily see them just because we're like, Oh, there's a million guys out. You know, Zach has to be playing well. This is when they score like 30 points and they embarrass the Jaguars. I mean, they're at home, but like, Honestly, I don't even know anymore. (laughs) You know, there was the – there's so many that they just kind of blend together. But the Elijah Maguire touchdown against Buffalo, that screwed us out of – I think that's the one that screwed us out of Nick Bosa, right? Uh, There was a – yeah, and there was a, a late touchdown uh, in the Rex Ryan years against Tennessee, I think, where we won. Uh, that screwed us out of a draft pick as well. I want to say yeah, that was it, for like Mariota or something. Or somewhere. Winston. Yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. so <laughs> hindsight being 2020, you can say, okay, it didn't end up mattering. But you never know. I mean, if Mariota goes to the Jets, maybe uh, yeah. maybe he turns into the next best thing. Who who knows? But it's you know, it sucks that at the end of the day, they're 3-11. I know they're a bad team. It, you know, I think in, in some way, shape, or form, we probably all expected this a little bit. I, we were talking before the show. I expected them to be a little bit better, maybe around the, you know, the five or six win mark at this point. Um, you know, maybe a Jacksonville game to get into seven. Uh, that's what, you know, ultimately my prediction was earlier in the season. I think, you know, a couple of breaks go, you know, their way. It could have been, but now seeing them as three, you know, seeing them at three and 11 late December and already we're just like fast forward to the off season. That's kind of the, you know, it's the tough part about being a Jets fan. The off season is our best season. It's what we live for. Um, I just, I wish that it wasn't here so early. Um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, the off season is something to look forward to. I think, uh, you know, we're going to unpack our, our Christmas and holiday wish list here uh, in a little bit. So definitely going to have some things uh, for the off season, but ultimately we'll see how it shakes out Sunday or whenever they play. But as long as Zach plays well and they're competitive uh, in either a win or a loss, I'll be happy. Yeah, and I'll say this. I know, obviously, the game was just like a, like kind of like a deflating ending losing to the Dolphins last week. 
But the first half was really entertaining. Like they actually were doing really fun things on offense. You saw the creativity from Michael Floor, and he's honestly been great really since he moved to the booth. And it's just crazy to think the perception of what we thought about him and Ulbrich in September compared to what we think now. It's like LaFleur is like actually a really good offensive coordinator, probably the best one we've had since, I guess, 2015 Gailey. And then I guess Schottenheimer in his early years, because obviously we all – Schottenheimer was literally the biggest scapegoat. I remember when yes. I – this is like, my, I think, 2010 when I was like a freshman in college. Like, I remember I used to go on the Jets blog and everyone would just post-game just rip shoddy and like, saying he's ruining Sanchez. He just was too conservative, and he's always been that way. He was like that with Seattle. But I just like LaFleur is just trying different things. He's coaching the way we've been saying. He's like, he's, he's like this is like a free year. It's my first year on the job in this role of a young team. Let's see what we can do with these guys. And that play, when Barrios threw it, I mean, uh, when Crowder threw it back to Barrios, that was awesome. That was like one of the most fun plays I can remember as a Jets fan. Like, how many of those do we ever have? Like they actually did some cool things and then they had the end around the barriers where we scored the rushing touchdown on the first drive. It's just like, you know, we're seeing fun and cool things. And I like what we can maybe do when we have more talent and more and better blocking, just because it seems like the offensive line, it's just, it's a turntable, especially in the interior right now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think it's, it's nice when it feels like the coaches like have heard the outcry from the fan base. So we were, we've been saying all season long, like empty the bag with floor. You have nothing to lose. You know, we, we've been saying in the show, like solid the floor, you're playing with house money, stop kicking 50 yard field goals like go for it fourth down and, and, you know, do things, do whatever creative things you have to do to get this offense going. And the floor has done that, which has been awesome. I think from a team standpoint, the kind of frustrating thing about the defense is that we've seen the defense progressively get worse since that Titans game. And every game, it's like death by a thousand cuts where, you know, the, the, the big thing earlier in the season was, you know, Jeff Ulbrich talks about uh, Robert Sala going in and posting up the poster on his, on his wall saying, you know, eliminate explosives, which is like, okay, well, they're doing that, but you're also dying slowly every drive by eight yard passes, nine yard passes, eight yard runs, missed tackles left and right, where, yeah, you're eliminating explosives, but you're still just letting them bleed the clock. And it is painful to watch and it's gotten worse and worse every week. So for what we're applauding um, LaFleur for doing, obviously it's different offense versus defense, but I'd like to see Ulbrich and Sala take that same approach on defense where it's like, you know what, if you're going to miss, miss big, dial up some exotic blitzes. Like you're clearly not up to par with your talent level right now. And you're not coaching up to par either. Take some big swings, man, do something to force the offense's hand. If you miss, miss big, who cares? Because you know, they're just going to bleed the clock for an eight minute drive and a touchdown. It has been awful watching this Jets defense play. For any listeners of ours, I'm sure that they at least tune in sometimes to the the Will Parkinson with the TOJ pod. I don't know if you heard his stat this week. He was talking about the Jets. Uh, he was with Joe Caparoso, obviously, uh, this past week on the pod. And he said, uh, I think it was over the course of the last nine games, the Jets are giving up 35 points a game in that realm. If you looked at the 99 Rams offense and what they averaged, it was 32. So the, the Jets giving up to the likes of Tua, Gardner Minshew, you know, quarterbacks like that, and they're giving up 35 points a game over this nine-game stretch. Like, it's been frustrating to watch. I knew the defense was going to be bad. I don't think anyone could have predicted it would be this bad. And it's kind of frustrating to not see uh, Sala and Ulbrich take some swings here and do something to maybe spark something, get a turnover, get a stop. Even if they freaking give up a big play, who cares at this point? At least you give the ball back to your to your young quarterback in the offense. Um, because watching it is, like I said earlier, it's been like death by a thousand cuts every week and it feels like it's just getting worse. Yeah. And 
what bothered me is like it's the missed tackles that are bothering me because that's coaching like that's not like these guys are NFL players like I understand they're not as talented as a lot of the offenses that they're going against but that's coaching and guys can tackle like they're in the NFL for a reason but it's like the toughness aspect like I remember watching the game I'm just like this Duke Johnson's literally just like he's just doing whatever he wants and you guys are not letting you guys are not doing a thing about it like DJ Mosley said after the Eagles game, like how they weren't respecting us. They're laughing at us. I'm like, do you blame them? Like you're literally allowing them to impose their will. And I was like, this is just like simple stuff. And it's like, isn't that like bother you as a professional athlete when you're basically just being bullied? Like you're literally just, do, they're doing what they're mauling you. Like it was just so frustrating. Duke Johnson hadn't played in like two years and he looked like, you know, Mercury Morris out there. I'm just like, it was just such a frustrating thing. All right, let's, Let's transition away from all this negativity, even though we uh, have a little bit of a negative part in this segment, but we want to do a little holiday spirit exercise here. Um, so perhaps to Steve for coming up with this. We want to do a wish list and then who gets a bag of coal. So I'm going to kick it to you first. Who are the two guys? It, and if you don't necessarily have a guy in mind, who would be the two, guy, two positions that you have on your wish list, whether it's in the draft or free agency in the offseason? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay. Um, I would say the first would be a, a pass catching tight end and a legitimate one. Um, I think uh, our own Joe Caparoso has brought up Dalton Schultz. I think that'd be a perfect target. But, um, you know, Going after a veteran, because you've brought it up on the show a couple of times. Typically, rookie tight ends don't produce, right? They don't. Not, not, up, to, not up to snuff or what you would you know, ultimately like to see. So I would love for the Jets to have a two-pronged approach to addressing tight end and go after one hard and free agency and draft one as well. We haven't had a, pa a true pass-catching tight end since probably Dustin Keller. Uh, Austin Severian Jenkins, you know, showed some flashes, but I think you and I could probably beat him in a 40. I'm not going to lie to you. And you know, I definitely can. Maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Chris close. Herndon, Chris Herndon flashed uh, at the end of his rookie year. And we all thought it was going to be the next greatest thing. And we know how that turned out. 
but a, a legitimate pass catching tight end, I think um, would probably be number one on my wish list. And I hope they go hard for it in, in free agency. Um, the next, I think I would probably, uh, I, I hope that they're in position to draft an edge. Um, I think pairing a young rookie edge rusher, whoever that is, hopefully it's Hutcher or Thibodeau, um, to pair with Carl, uh, Carl Lawson, I think it changes the, the scope of this defense. And I think we've seen from other teams too, that you can rebuild a defense in a year. Look at the Cowboys, right? They're, they're a top, what are they, a top 10 defense this year? They have to, I haven't looked at the numbers, but top 10 defense, they were a sieve last year. They couldn't stop a nosebleed last year. So you can rebuild a defense in a year. So I'd like to see the Jets, A, tight end, address it in both free agency and uh and the draft and then get a legitimate ed rusher to uh to pair with carl lawson as well so Dolan schultz was initially one of mine so i'm gonna have to go a different route so during this entire time i've been thinking about the other option so this is actually something that joe and connor were talking a lot about on badlands and if you don't subscribe to badlands make sure you do because it's the best content you get for the jets is in a, at a premium especially during the off season because we love talking about scenarios what we can do in the draft free agency but the biggest thing that Jets need to do, and I think that they will do this just because they need to add talent as quickly as possible, is do a big swing trade. Like, we have all this draft capital. Trade it for proven commodities instead of taking a risk on a guy that, you know, you're hoping could be something like this. Like, trade for a good offensive lineman on the interior. Trade for, you know, a wide receiver for a team that's going to take cap. Like, whether it's Amari Cooper or Michael Thomas, just because, number one, Michael Thomas is in the doghouse. He's probably, he's a depreciated asset. I know Joe was talking about that. But Amari Cooper, they've paid so many different guys on that team. It's like, you know, maybe they don't want to pay him because they have C.D. Lamb. I don't know. And maybe they would rather keep Gallup. But I want them to take a swing. Like, the Brandon Marshall trade is one of the best things that we've had as a trade in so long. And it was Mike McCasin who did it, who probably was one of the most incompetent GMs in NFL history. So it's For like – fifth rounder. It, yeah, and Joe Douglas is good at fleecing teams. So, like, yeah. maybe he could fleece to get a good player. Everyone's like, oh, guys don't want to sign here because of the Jets. They stink, whatever. So make them come here. That's what you got to do. I mean, that's the one thing. The other thing is getting a safety, specifically a guy like Jesse Bates. He's super young. He's a lot younger than Marcus May. I'm, I'll say this. We were all like, oh, Marcus May, I don't want to pay him. He actually was really good this year before he got hurt. I know he has his legal issues. So, like, if they retained him at a reasonable number, I'm fine with it. But I'd rather go for a guy like Bates, who's in his, like, you know, mid-20s. I think he turns 25 before next season. He's been really good on, a, you know, rejuvenated Bengals defense you know, and he could be have his best football ahead of him because he's only 24, about 25. He could have three really good years with the Jets. You'd rather pay for his like long-term potential versus like he could be declining. Whereas Marcus May, I think is probably going to get worse because he'll be either 29, he'll be 29 next year. So it's yeah. like, we should go younger that position and it's a proven starter. So if they don't get him, get a guy like Marcus Williams from the Saints. I just need somebody who can play safety because the safety position has been so bad. Will, I know you love Ashton Davis. He's your guy. He's just he's not cutting it. He's an athlete trying to play safety. He's not a safety. He's an athlete. It's just not working for me. And I can't watch him play anymore. Kudos to Elijah Riley, probably a depth piece, which I'm happy to, I'm happy to retain, but he should not be starting. But yeah, just get me a safety. Who's like a legitimate starter who can actually help these young corners develop even further and take a swing, whether it's a receiver, offensive lineman, really anything, even if you can get an edge guy, but I feel like teams wouldn't really be willing to trade someone who actually rushed the basher just because it's such a premium position. But mm. if that opportunity presents itself, you have to take it. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, I'd like to, it's a very good point. And I'd like to see Joe Douglas kind of take that uh, three-pronged approach where in, in, even the, the article um, uh, by Samini about fixing the Jets uh, and Giants, you know, and how it's going to happen. But, you know, Rex Ryan says he was pounding the table for whatever these guys, you know, Travis Kelsey, Tyron Matthews. Every, every, every retired coach, general manager, like, oh yeah, like 
I want it's, that guy. Like, yeah, of course. Exactly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And of course, Rex would say it. But even Rex was like with the Insic 12. He's like, there's no way you're picking 12 guys. And every GM will say, like, it's hard to pick that many guys. So no, he was right. Like, That's true. Like, you have to trade out of those picks. You're absolutely right. So you have the assets here. Like, take the three prong approach. You got to go aggressive in the draft, but you're not going to pick. I don't know how many picks the Jets have right now, the nine or 10. You're not going to pick all nine or 10. Use some of those day two, day three assets to go and get a proven veteran. I think wide receiver is the perfect target for that. I think a tight end could be available. I know Joe brought up Noah Fant, uh, you know, kind of with got the talent, obviously, but maybe, you know, not fitting in perfectly in Denver. Um, You know, there's options there, but that's what you have to do is you have to scour that market. Like you said, make them come here. Who cares? They don't want to come here too bad. I traded for your contract's mine you're playing um they have to have that so veteran trades go hard in free agency we got to think that woody's going to make joe douglas open the checkbook you can't be three and 14 four and 13 whatever in 2022 so you better go hard after good uh proven veteran and and you know probably big money free agents and then again you got to be aggressive in the draft so um yeah i think that's a, a very good uh wish list for you there steven <laughs> thank you thank you um i'll kick it off with the who deserves a lump of coal i felt like the easiest answer would be greg van Routen, but because he's not playing anymore i don't really want to pile on him because we essentially have addressed the issue and ldt has been significantly better which is crazy because he's a guy who didn't play football last year but i'm gonna go with jason piddock he just has been frustrating me and pissing me off he had that stupid penalty on special teams he's been getting burned it's just I can't watch guys who just look so out of place. He just doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. No disrespect to the guy. He's an NFL player, but man, he has just been brutal to watch. And he's hurting that secondary a lot because Michael Carter, Bryce Hall, and Eccles have been really good for a second-year corner and two rookie corners. But Pinnock is just simply not it. And look, I know he's thrown to a tough spot, but man, he is just somebody that is really tough to watch, and I hope that he's just a death piece and he's not playing any meaningful snaps in 2022. Yeah, it's a rough goal. I think he uh, he fell on the against the Texans, opened up a touchdown, right? Yep. Led to a touchdown. He fell on the third and 19. Um, I forget who they were playing. New Orleans, uh, or maybe no Philadelphia. I'm sorry. And then he had a big uh, a big penalty where he he tackled the guy that fair caught it again uh, last game against Miami. So it's been a rough start for for Pinnock. I I agree with you. So um, I had it really. I had two positional groups here um, that I was going to give a lump of coal to. Um, one of which is the D line because I think they've been an utter disappointment uh, yep. this year. I think this defense was built on the success of this D line, and I think they have fallen. I mean, we were talking about this unit with Carl Lawson being a top five unit in the league without Carl Lawson still somehow maintaining top ten status. No way. Um, they've been bad. Uh, but really, I'm going to go the, the other side of the ball. And I kind of touched on it earlier in the show, the wide receiver core. I mean, outside of Elijah Moore, which, you know, honestly, as great as Elijah Moore has been and as great as we think he can be, you're relying on a second round pick to be the end all be all of your receiving group. And that's just not good. So when 2020 ended and we experienced what that was for this Jets team and the lack of weapons, what Sam, who Sam Darnold was throwing to. And you came into this year and you felt as good as you did with the likes of Corey Davis and Elijah and Keelan Cole and Jamison Crowder and what we thought Denzel Mims could be. And then Braxton Berrios. And we all felt good about those six guys in the rotation there. Hard to say it's been anything short of a disappointment, especially now that Elijah and Corey are hurt. I think you know, Corey had some flashes early in the year before he got hurt, but mostly it, the, the negative probably outweighed the positive. Elijah Moore has been nothing but great. Outside of that, 
it's been a disappointment. Braxton Berry, as you said earlier in the show, I think he's a highlight, but he's not the guy and he can't step into, you know, like a number one role. But I think overall, we're starting to see that the, the rest of the wide receiver core simply can't pick up the slack when key guys are hurt. And that's disappointing. So I think that's got to be a target for the Jets in this offseason, whether they go hard after a guy like Michael Gallup or go hard in the draft or both. Um, excited for that because I think you can never have enough weapons. So uh, we'll see what happens. But ultimately, my, I give two lumps of coal, one of the D-line and one of the wide receiver group. Yeah, it's really funny. And this is a great segue because as you're talking, I get a notification on my phone about Amari Cooper. It says, Cooper frustrated with roll. Cowboys wide receiver unhappy with Dallas offense despite recent wins. We're not really as explosive as we should be. Joe Douglas, take note of this. Make the call once the new league year opens. That's a guy I want on my team. He has shown the ability to make big plays. He's a big target of the Red Zone. He's really what you're hoping that Corey Davis can be. That's a guy you got to go after. Like, I am so on board with that. I, th- I could see because of the emergence of C.D. Lamb and maybe they want to retain Gallup and they have a guy like Cedric Wilson, maybe it's possible. You never know. And they got to shed some cap. So you got to make a move on a guy like that. That would be awesome. I would just be That's- so pumped that Amari Cooper. That would be the perfect scenario for a veteran trade. A team 100%. that is in the red, looking to offload money, that has strength at the position that a guy's looking to get out of. Absolutely. Make that deal, Joe. And if you have the ability, maybe try to get Zach Martin, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, long, as long as we're calling Dallas, might as well ask for it. Yeah, listen, I'm pretty sure uh, John Lynch, when he got uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he asked about Tom Brady's availability, which is like he, – you got to yeah. ask. Everyone has a part, You don't right? score on 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> totally agree. All <laughs> right. So we do have a game on Sunday or it, who could be moved. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's do some predictions. I know we want to get to this holiday season. But hopefully you have a jolly prediction. I don't know if I will. But what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about the defense, uh, you know, the Jets defense. It is, it's bad right now. I could definitely see a situation where James Robinson runs all over them. I think it probably happens, but this really just has the feel of a game the Jets will win. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be super ugly. I think Zach looks okay. I think the defense doesn't look great, but makes enough stops uh, in the end. Uh, We'll see how it shakes out with the Jets offensive lineman and, and, and who plays. But ultimately, I think the Jets actually get a win here, 20 to 14 Jets. All right, look at you. The line keeps moving, which makes me unsure of what to think. But obviously, they just don't know because, like, literally, we don't know how many guys in the Jets are actually going to suit up because of the 21 guys on the list. I mean, assuming that some guys get activated or they move the game, I do think the roster will look a little bit better than what it's looking like right now. Uh, we don't know if Sal is going to coach, but that who knows if that will even matter. If, like, the game plan is going to be the same because he's still, like, conducting virtual meetings, which is my understanding. I do think that they're going to win. And the reason I think that they're going to win is because every time as a fan base, we want them to tag for the pick. They always mess it up and win the game. And then we don't get the pick that we want. It's just like, it's, that's just what's going to end up happening. I mean, listen, Trevor Lawrence can finally break that, you know, seven weeks without a touchdown streak and just light us up because our defense stinks. But I do think it's going to be James Robinson who's going to run all over the Jets because it, as long as you have two legs and you're fast, you can run all over the Jets. So I'm not. You don't even have people. to be that fast. You really don't. <laughs> um, I'm going to say though, I think it'll be like 24-20 Jets. There'll be some touchdowns. I think both rookie quarterbacks will look good. 
They'll finally shut everybody off who's been saying that they both stink, even though mainly people say Zach Wilson stinks, even though Trevor Lawrence has been just as bad. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be entertaining. It'll be like an ugly entertaining game. I know I'm feeling stuff from Joe because Joe was saying that too. But typically when two bad teams play against each other, sometimes you'll see like just a lot of points because their defenses can't stop anybody. But I mean, I just want to be entertained. Whatever happens, I could I can rationalize it. But I do want to see Zach play well, regardless of the outcome. I mean, I prefer the better pick at this point just because we have so many holes in this team and I need to fill them as quickly as possible. But, yeah, who knows? Anything's possible with this team. Uh, a, a nice, you know, 40 to 37 game would be fun. Like that's that would know, be if, if the defense can't if the defenses can't stop anybody and we're just scoring left and right. Like, I'll yeah, that'll be great. I'd rather watch that than a 13 to six, you know, just looking at offenses that are just completely inept and can't do anything. Like, don't yeah. give me that. Give me points. We're, it's a revenge game for so many guys. We have Schottenheimer's calling the place for the Jaguars. Revenge game for the Jets. Rob Middleton was the tight end coach for the Jaguars the last seven years. Something so solid just poached him away. Mm-hmm. So you know you don't know who's going to be calling the be- the better game because they have so much motivation because of who they're yeah. playing. But yep. no, I mean, listen, it's it is what it is. I w- I was like looking forward to this game like when the schedule came out. I'm like, you know, it's gonna be cool. One versus two. Mm-hmm. I just don't want it to be an embarrassment like, where like Trevor Lawrence looks like you know 300 yards three touchdowns, maybe one interception, and Zach throws like 150 and doesn't score anything. Like, that would be the kind of game that would just really be tough to swallow. Even if the Jets had won the game and because they won because Michael Carter went off, the defense actually was like getting stops. But like, yeah. it's just, I, I just don't want Zach like that. <laughs> I know, I know like I've been very patient with it, but like, I just, I need to see more. I do need to yeah. see more. I, I'll be honest with you. It's like, it's... I'm not giving up on him. I'm not giving up on the staff. I think there's a lot of positive things. They got good young players. I mean, you could think of teams that are in salary cap hell who just look like kind of directionless. But the Jets have young players who are going to develop over time, which makes me happy. But I need the quarterback to be better. Agreed. I, I think you objectively can't look at this and say that Zach Wilson's been great or even good. I think he's been, been bad. okay. Yeah. yeah he's been not, bad. <laughs> uh, see, I'm not that far. Um, but we've talked about this, but you know, I still believe, uh, I think he's going to be good and I'll give kudos to Salah too, for what he said about, uh, you know, winning these last games and getting a false sense of confidence when really what it's about is the development of young players. Salah has been crystal clear, uh, especially in the later part of the season about what this is. This is a rebuild. He said it, he's been part of, you know, part of five rebuilds before, um, you know, this being a six, he knows what this looks like. So, the number one goal is to get these young guys reps and experience. So that way they're better in year two. And that's, that's it. And I give him kudos for saying that. I think he knows what this is. I think everybody in reality knows what this is. And that's what they had their sights set on coming into the season. I don't think anyone would openly admit it. And the fan base were just tired, which I get. And that's understandable. All things are true and all things can be right. Um, But I give kudos to Salah for coming out and saying that, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I don't think, you know, it's still an incomplete for Zach and it's going to be. Um, but I haven't lost belief either. And I think more importantly, you're, you're right. More important than anything is for Zach Wilson to look decent to good in these last three games and it starts right here against Jacksonville. Yeah. I'll say this what's, what's interesting about Zach not playing well as a rookie and really him fields. We haven't seen much of Lance and also Lawrence. It's like, that may not necessarily be a bad thing. And I'm going to spin this in a way that probably like you're kind of crazy. They look, they all look pretty like useless right now, but it's better to like peak. I mean, to look worse early and get better than peak. Like, think about Baker Mayfield as a rookie. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a comparison here, but he looked like he was going to be this unbelievable player, but that was really, like, the best you saw of him. And then tape got on him, and then he showed that he couldn't elevate any further, and it was just maybe 
you know, we saw the best of them because there's just defenses that really didn't know what to think about. And then you think about what Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson were like Lamar was exciting because of the running ability, but he really wasn't looking good as a passer as a rookie. Same thing with Josh Allen. I'm not saying that, you know, a bunch of these rookies are going to develop like they will because they're different guys. It's different schemes, different coaching staff. But my point is that you shouldn't really like be so quick to throw the towel in on any of them. And I'm not saying like Zach over any of them. I'm just saying all three of them. Like they've all been pretty bad. Like Justin Fields like couldn't move the ball on Monday. It was pretty hard to watch. My point is, is they're so young. Probably all of them weren't ready to start as rookies, but because of the rookie salary cap, I mean, because of the rookie contract and the salary cap, they want to maximize it and see what they have as quickly as possible. Because they're like, if this guy doesn't work, we need to move on to the next one. So I would say this year, I don't think that you're going to think of like what these quarterbacks are when you're like next year, you're like, wow, these guys are going to look a lot different. I I think they're all going to be better. I, I was very big on Justin Fields. I said this, you know, before we did this show, we saw about it in our Slack channel because a lot of the draft season guys were very pro fields over Wilson. And then obviously the Jets locked in on Wilson. So you kind of had to accept it for what it was, but it's, you know, they're young kids. Like we've been so spoiled with good quarterback play from rookies, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Um, and Baker was really good as a rookie, but there's plenty of them who've been bad. Like guy like Troy Aikman through like 20 something interceptions as a rookie. Meanwhile, the guy hey, like 28. Yeah. And both of them are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So, and Stafford was not good as a rookie either. Sanchez was probably looked better because he was on a winning team. But Stafford ended up being a really good quarterback. And it took him three years because his second year, he missed most of the year. I think he played like four or five games. And then year three is when he took the leap. So just be open-minded. Don't be so quick to be like Zach Stinks. I mean, yeah, there's been troubling signs. Everyone can see that if you're watching the game. Yeah. Like, you've seen it. But like, he has talent. The escapability is cool. The arm, he has a great arm. Like that arm is insane. Sometimes I'm like, throw the ball down, especially on some of those quick, like short passes. I'm like, why they're dropping them, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think the expectation of, of what, you know, an elite quarterback is and, and Zach turning into one, I think is, is a lofty goal. So when Jets fans get mad about the, you know, potential Matt Stafford or Derek Carr comparison, that's insane. I think if, if Zach Wilson turns into a Stafford or a Derek Carr, we should all be jumping for joy. Um, but yeah, you're right. This is, we knew this was a rebuilding year, as I just said. So Zach coming in, taking his lumps, getting the experience, I think it should look a lot different come year two. Um, and a lot, I think is going to depend on what Joe Douglas does in March and May, um, this off season, which again is our Super Bowl. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> it looks good and we're excited about it. And then it actually translates into something come next September. And, you know, maybe we get, uh, Maybe we get that that uh, in the hunt graphic. Finally, Stephen. Finally, we'll get there next. November. Listen, man, I want us to be doing the show a year from now, and we're talking about being in the hunt. That will be me so happy. That's it. That's it, man. Just it's seven. And it's seven. Crazy. I, I would sign up if we were right now. I would sign up for seven and seven a year from now in a heartbeat. I Absolutely. would literally like it, it. Would be the greatest thing ever. Like we're actually in contention for a wild card spot. Because think about it, Joe and Connor Brissett. Only the Jets. The Jaguars and the Texans are the only teams in the AFC who are actually in the hump for a playoff spot. That's so yeah. insane. And there, it's so much easier to make the playoffs with the extra spot. So it's like, come on, show some damn confidence. <laughs> <laughs> any, uh, any closing thoughts, Steven? 
No, no, nothing, nothing really. I just uh, want to thank everyone for tuning in. Um, those of you that do, those of you that download the podcast, listen to us that way. Uh, thanks, everyone. It's been a great first, uh, what, 33 episodes, I think. Steve, we've yep. been doing this since May 12th. Um, it's been awesome. It's been a ton of fun, regardless of how good or bad the Jets have been. Uh, it's still fun to come on and vent or celebrate just to talk <laughs> about them. Uh, appreciate you, man, and everything you do. Happy holidays to everyone out there. And uh We'll be back right after the the first of the year. We're taking next week off, but uh, we'll be back after the Bucks game, I believe. Yep, definitely. So there will be no reaction show after this Jaguars game, which might be a good thing because if they lose, I don't know really what we're, how we're going to be able to feel. But it's also a positive because of the draft pick. But yeah, Stephen, like you said, thank you everybody who downloads, who watches live, who watches later. We we can't thank you guys enough. It's been really fun doing this since we started in May. As Stephen said, you know, no show next week. And then we have two more shows before we conclude this season. And then we'll be taking a little bit of a break before we return to our free agency. But we're also going to be doing reactionary shows. Like if a big move happens, we'll do like a quick show and try to get more live viewers. But it's, it's been so much fun. Happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. And Christmas Eve is tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it's just been great. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash TV. Also, you know, subscribe to our podcast, whether you get it on Google, you get it on Apple, or you get it on Spotify. You know, we appreciate everybody who does that. There's been, the downloads have been really great and we can't thank everybody enough. And, you know, make sure you check out Badlands again. It's really, it's awesome. I, I love everything that Joe and Connor do. I actually think they had their best show since they started Badlands this week, talking about the Dolphins game. Just, it's, they, they just keep it real. It's, it's honest. It's not like, they're not trying to have like an agenda. They just talk like fans, but educated fans. And it's just, you can't really get much more than that. Cause like, I get it. Sometimes Steven and I could be a little more biased, which is fine. That's what fans do. You know, you, you stick up for your guys or you, you kind of break down guys who you don't like. And it's just like, you know, they, they're really objective. And I really like that about them. But uh, like I said, you know, thanks so much to everybody and we'll see you guys.